I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. We are so glad to have you, as always. This is a little crazy. Yeah. The episode we have for you today. It's so interesting, so yeah. we're very excited to just talk about it, because it's very um, unusual in the way of how just fucked up it is for sure yeah but it's a good it's very interesting so i'm very excited to talk about it yeah it'll be good but as always before we get into the really heavy shit we have (laughs) some like nice nice things to talk about i guess yeah some a little positive before the negative for sure so we've also been getting a lot of messages like you guys should do a patreon you guys should do something along the lines of where somebody can support us Mm -hmm. We are so thankful that you guys <laughs> want to do that. That's like crazy. Like people want to support us? Wow. Right. That's cool. And we've been like playing with the idea of a Patreon, you know, tossing it back and forth. But in the meantime, we know we're not, don't get your hopes up. We're yeah. not positive. But we found this little website. It's called Buy Us a Coffee. Yes. We put the link on our website under the page for contact. Mm -hmm. If you scroll down all the way to the bottom of that page, it's below our submission tool where you send us cases and stuff. It's down there and we have a little button that Mm -hmm. says thank you and you can click it and you can buy us a coffee. It's like five bucks. You can do more if you want to. If you like what we do, if you want to support (laughs) us. That would be so nice of you guys. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. No pressure, but it's there in mm-hmm. case somebody wants it, I guess. We've had people telling us to do that. So yeah. we're like, why not? Just do it, right? Yeah. Just to have. Cool. So, I mean, you guys obviously, like you said, Katie, you don't have to give us anything. But people were asking about it. So, And to be fair, Patreon is a great idea, but that means we have to make extra content. And that's hard. It is hard. And also, I... I mean, I really appreciate the idea of it, but yeah. something about making content that's exclusive, mm. I don't know, because what, I would feel really bad making certain cases exclusive. I feel like all the cases we cover should be open and accessible to everybody. I agree. Because everyone should hear about it. Right. And I, I don't know. I just, the idea doesn't really sit right with me. Like imagine your loved one is murdered and someone's using it as exclusive content to make Money. profit. I, yeah. The I, I get I get why people do it. Yeah. It's very popular. Totally understand. Oh yeah. I just I don't know. Just something about it doesn't sit right. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah. Could that change? I yeah. Yeah, for sure. But right now we just I think also we don't have time. Exactly. You we know? don't really have time to be making exclusive content and what cases would we decide that are exclusive i have no idea that would yeah i don't know just the idea of it it's a good idea it is i don't think it's right for us maybe not, at the moment not currently no yeah but we thought this was a happy medium where, yeah you know we could say thank you you guys are the best if you donate or you know buy us a coffee we'd give you a shout out on the podcast oh yes we so would that'd be good we so would you'd get a little shout out and we're trying, so we're trying a new thing. It's not a new thing at all. But if we do a case that somebody submitted to actually write down their name and say that they recommended it, because yes. we want to give you guys credit. Right, and we feel like because it's an option to be anonymous, 
I feel like if someone wanted to be anonymous, they would be. Right. So the fact that you're giving us your name mm-hmm. maybe indicates that you'd like some recognition. <laughs> Which is fair. If that's not the case, please do not put your name so we don't shout you out. Or yes. in the message, be like, hey, don't say my name. Keep it anonymous. It'd be a first name basis anyway. I'm yeah. not trying to like call people out. Yeah. But... Joe Smith sent us this case about his aunt. Right? Like we're not going to be his... The murderer is on the loose still. Right. Joe Smith at 123 Main Street. <laughs> right. Sent us Joe this. Smith, here's the IP address. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. So you can keep it anonymous if you want to. Yeah. That's totally fine. Um, but if you don't want to, cool. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a little shout out. Yeah. What? What? So anyway, <laughs> today's case, like we were saying, man, oh man, it's bad it's bad it's it's really really sad mm-hmm. i mean i feel like it got a lot of coverage yeah i hadn't heard of this till i saw it on like a tiktok video or yeah. whatever but yeah i also hadn't heard of it and i was surprised um i was talking to my parents about it like oh we're recording today this is what we're doing and they were like oh yeah i remember that and i'm like really i don't and yeah. it wasn't that long ago no it wasn't at all technically speaking yeah so hey Whatever. It's fine. It's in New England. It's a crime and it's very fascinating. So we're excited to do it. For sure. And without further ado, today we will be covering the murder of Annie Lay. Alright, so as we usually do, we'll start with our sources. Katie, what do you got? I got, per usual, Wikipedia. Me as well. Yale Alumni Magazine, The New Haven Register, Oxygen.com, NBCNews.com, and ABC News. Nice. Wikipedia, when we can use it, it's going to be used. Without a doubt. (laughs) So I absolutely use that as well. It was actually really helpful. I thought it was, yeah. (laughs) Um, I also used the NH Register, the Yale Alumni Magazine, Kylie's True Crime blog, which we've used in the past too. She she has some good stuff. Um, ABC News, The Hartford Current, and something called Soap Boxy. Ooh. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I got a lot of good information from all these sources. There was a lot. There was, yeah, it was good. And I like using different sources because it really gives you like a different perspectives you know there's always little details that each article fills in yes you get the full story Mm -hmm. yeah so it's pretty neat um why don't we start by talking about who annie lay was so annie lay was born on july 3rd 1985 in san jose california Um, She was Vietnamese American. She was known as being very smart. She was the valedictorian at her high school, which is a huge accomplishment, honestly. Never in my wildest dreams. Oh, God. Never. No way. (laughs) Um, She actually was voted in high school most likely to be the next Einstein. I loved that. Very cute. And that says a lot because she was very smart. Um, And she was actually also awarded around 163 thousand dollars in scholarship money for colleges a hundred sixty thousand yeah that's crazy she was so smart um 
And she proved it because she got her undergraduate degree in cell development biology at the University of Rochester, which was in New York. And not only did she graduate with that long title of a major, she graduated with a minor in medical anthropology. What? She was not fucking around. No. Like, she was like, I'm going to school. I'm going to use my brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it right. And it was so sweet because she actually, while she was at the University of Rochester, she met her fiancé, Jonathan Wydowski, and the two of them were, mm-hmm. it was like college sweethearts. Yeah, it was cute. Looking at the picture of that, there's like one picture of them. There, It's like a prom photo almost. Yeah. It's very, it's very cute. And he was a genius too. Like yes. The two of them were just, he actually was going to... Columbia University. Another major school. And he was a graduate student in applied physics and mathematics. Oh my god. What? I can't even do algebra. Truly. I can't even like calculate a tip for the <laughs> literally. Bill. Like I have to, literally. It's, it's pathetic, actually. <laughs> so he was so smart and she was so smart. It was perfect. So of course he was at Columbia and she was actually accepted at Yale, which is amazing. She was looking to get her doctorate in pharmacology, which is no joke. You know, as nurses, we do pharmacology courses in school, and mine was just a semester long. And it was like every day, it was like you learned 86 new different medicines. And it's, it's so much. It's so much. So the fact that she was doing pharmacology is good for her. It's no joke. No, and a lot of her research, too, because that was part of her getting her doctorate, mm-hmm. was doing a lot of research. Her thesis. Yes. It was based around diabetes and cancer. Yeah. And she actually won a grant from the National Science Foundation to support her research on different medications and how they worked and different effects of the medication on mice. Wow. So she was, like, really making some mm-hmm. headway on diabetes and cancer. Yeah. I bet you if she could have continued, she would have made some great discoveries. Truly. And also, ironically, she had written a published article. It was published in Yale Medical School's magazine, and it was ironically called Crime and Safety in New Haven. So. Yeah, this article actually came out just a few months before the incident that we'll get into. And you can actually read it online. Yeah. She's talented and she's smart. Her friends also described her as fun-loving and endlessly energetic. So she was like, she really was the full package. Like Mm -hmm. she had so many friends. She's bubbly, such a great personality. And she's also a genius. Yeah. Like a fucking genius. (laughs) Yeah. So it, it just, not that these tragedies are more or less so based on the victim, but this really was just so tragic. Yeah, it really was. So on Tuesday, September 8th, 2009, 24-year-old Annie left her apartment that she shared with about five other people. This is, you know, typical for (laughs) student housing. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're going to school full-time. Right. you got to find roommates. (laughs) So she took Yale Transit to the Sterling Hall of Medicine on the Yale campus where she had her own office. At about 10 a.m., she walked from her office to another campus building This was located at 10 Amistad Street, which is where her research laboratory was. Right. And I think it's important to note that there were over 70 cameras posted around the perimeter of the building and the parking 
garage, which was where Annie was, like, walking through. Um, but there was none inside the building. Yeah. So with the specific research that Annie was doing, if you guys remember, we said that she was doing research on mice. Yes. So research on animals is very sensitive. Yes. Regulated, too. Yes. There's a lot of security around it. Um, animal rights activists will try to break into those buildings. Yeah. So... You know, regardless of your opinion on working or testing on animals, this building was a very high security building. You had to badge in, badge yep. in. Everywhere you wanted to go in the building, the further in you went, you had to badge in. Right. So they were keeping track of, you know, who was coming and going. They have you on camera, not inside the building, but right. on the perimeter. They have you on camera. And that's the cool thing about the key card is that while they don't have, like, you on camera, they have you in the records. Yes. So it's like, why did John go into the linen closet four times? You know, like, just, yes. they just can keep track of that if, you know, and it's high expensive equipment, high quality, you know, they need to keep track of that and be careful. So it makes sure. sense. Um, and like you said, Katie, it was around 10 a.m. that the key card was swiped for Annie. And you can see the surveillance video of her walking into the building. Mm -hmm. She's a tiny little thing. She's itty bitty. Yeah. She is four foot nine yeah. and eighty nine pounds. Oh my god! I think the last time I weighed eighty nine pounds was when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> she's a little Spitfire though. Yes. Like she's yes. little, but she is like, she walks in the room and everybody knows mm -hmm. she's there. She's just bouncing off the walls, <laughs> energetic, talking to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's so she's cute. she's little though, but you right. can still pick her up on the camera. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's almost why it makes it so chilling. Because the camera picks up her going into the building, but she never comes out. Which you're thinking probably like, what? How is that possible? Like, it's immediately suspicious. Immediately. And so, you know, 9 p.m. that night, she had five roommates, like you said. One of them was like, okay, this is not Annie. Why is she not home? You know, what's going on? This is so not like her. They were, they were nervous and... She was set to get married to her fiancé in five days. Yes. So they were like, is she getting cold feet? And then they were immediately like, no, 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 definitely not cold feet. So they called the police. And it's a good thing they did because that was exactly correct. Exactly. She did not get cold feet. Yeah. And there was also a fire drill or a fire alarm set off that day. So everybody had to evacuate the building. So some people thought that... You know, maybe in all of the commotion, mm -hmm. the cameras just didn't pick her up. Right. She is little. She was small. But, yeah, it's not the case. Unfortunately, I really wish it was. I really do. Um, and it was also, like, why was she not coming home? Because she left her keys and her cell phone and her credit cards and money all back at her apartment. You know? So it wasn't like she was planning on going anywhere. And we've said it before with people who are like, oh, maybe they've run away. Why would they leave everything they own? How are they going to start a new life if they leave everything they own? Exactly. Um, and, you know, here on True Crime New England, we have our opinions about the police. However, I think in this case they did okay because they immediately started to track her footsteps. They jumped right on her, like, schedule, and they were like, okay, where would she be this morning? Where does she go from there? Et cetera, et cetera. And that's when they looked at the footage of the, you know, the CCTV footage outside the research lab that she was going into at around 10 a.m. And that's when they saw her. She was wearing green. Like, she was very vibrant that day. Um, and they were like, okay, there she is. 
And then, you know, they were like, okay, let's fast forward, see when she comes out. And she didn't. They were like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. So I will say because Yale is an Ivy League school, a student doesn't just go missing. Yale is like, where is our prized Ivy League student? Like, this girl's going to change the world. Right. Where did she go? Yeah. So Yale offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to Annie's whereabouts. Her fiancé, he came in from New York. Her family came in from California to help find her. All the way from California. And her disappearance also became a top story on the news because, hello, it's an Ivy League school. Yeah, this doesn't happen. The FBI got involved. Over 100 law enforcement officers joined the search. Connecticut State Police, Mm -hmm. campus security. Yeah, good. They were on this, which, like, that's how it should be for everybody. Right. That's how it should be. Right. And I, I agree. And I think, again, it's a rare day when we say nice things about the police, but that was a good, they did a good job. Yeah. And I will say, too, a lot of people felt as though the way that this case was covered in the media and the immediate attention from law enforcement was because it was, you know, an Ivy League yeah. student. Yeah. And everybody should get this treatment 100%. Right. But they really did a good job with this. Right. I think so, too. Um so, you know, they were looking at the surveillance cameras and they kind of went through the steps of that day. So on September 8th, like we were talking about, Annie swiped her key card at exactly 10, 11 a.m. to gain access to the lab room G13 at that Yale Animal Research Center um, on Amistad Street, like you said. Um, just 29 minutes after Annie entered the room, so, you know, like 10.40 roughly, a 24-year-old lab technician named Raymond Clark III swiped his card to enter the building. Yep. And at roughly 11.04 a.m., Clark, who was described as wearing blue jeans, a dark-colored jacket with white stripes and white shoes, entered the room G13 where Annie was. So he was a lab technician. He was... I read somewhere that you know, he handled, like, this well-being of, like, the mice. Like, he took care of the, you know, they're changing their bedding or whatever, you know. Um, So he was going in there to to work, right? Um, And according to the key card machine, Clark was in the room with Annie for, like, 45, just over 45 minutes. And then this is when it started to be like, what the hell? What is going on? Because as you guys know, they keep track of the key card swipes. So between 10.40 a.m. and 3.45 p.m., Clark went in and out of the lab, that G13 room, and went down the hall to another working room, G22, a total of 55 times. Okay, yeah. What? No. What? I would get needing like, oh shit, I forgot my my wallet in the locker room. Oh fuck. And then, you know, going back and be like, oh, and I left I left my keys there when I was getting my wallet. Okay, get it, sure. 55 times? That's very excessive. Yes. What is going on? Also, where's Annie? Yeah. (laughs) So investigators, too, while they're figuring out, you know, where's Annie? Who could have talked to her? Who could have seen her? Right. They thought to search through the trash at the Hartford dump. Oh. This was about 40 miles away from campus. They wanted to search here because this is where Yale 
university incinerates all of their garbage. Oh, very interesting. So they were like, if anybody were to throw anything away that was suspicious, it would be here. Right. They tried to catch it before it was incinerated? Yes, exactly. So they actually, they went there and they found bloody clothing items. And they also found bloody clothing items above a ceiling tile in the same building that Annie was last seen in. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that too, because when Clark was captured on the cameras leaving, he was wearing different clothes. (gasps) Yeah. So I wonder if the bloody clothes they found was, some of it maybe was his. Yeah. Because... It was completely different. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's interesting. And then the ceiling tile, that's like classic. Don't, doesn't Joe Goldberg do that in you? Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. Like, this isn't out of a movie. This isn't <laughs> out of a show. You're yeah. not some expert level. Right. Like, it's going to smell bad. It's going to leak. It's going to, like, you can't get away with this, dude. And I'm wondering how they decided to be like, hmm, we should check the ceiling tile. Yeah. Like, what made them think that? It was genius. Yeah. Well, I guess somebody in the building was saying that there was a smell, and it was a very distinct smell of decomposition. Yeah. So they brought in cadaver dogs. Right, right. What was crazy is that, you know, people were in the building that day. It wasn't just Annie and um, Raymond Clark. So there was a whole bunch of witnesses that came forward or were talking to the campus police, the police officers, you know, the it was gaining a lot of media attention and some students. So there's one student named Rachel and she came forward and said that she was in the building on that Tuesday and that she had seen a box of wipes on like this metal push cart outside the room that had blood splatter on it. Hmm. I know Katie just raised her eyebrows. Oh shit. Um, and so it was found in the room that Annie was last key carded into. Right. So as, according to Rachel, As soon as she noticed the blood spatter, Clark, he was right there. He noticed her looking and then flipped the the wipe can away. (gasps) So it was facing him like she couldn't see it. Oh, God. He was like, there's nothing here on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, that's skeevy. And like, way to be obvious. A Yale University sergeant, his name was Jay Jones, claims that he also saw Clark that day, and he was scrubbing the floor under the sink near the drain in, the, in that lab room. And he remembered it being weird because it was clean in there. He was like, oh, okay, like it's already clean. He must have spilled something or whatever. He also says he, he saw Clark at that push cart, you know, touching it and moving things around. Okay, so this is starting to look really weird. Yeah why did you go down the hall 55 times? Why is there blood splatter on a can of wipes? Why are you cleaning the floor? Are you a janitor, sir? I thought you were feeding the mice. What's going on? So with these cadaver dogs, about five days after Annie's disappearance on Sunday, September 13th, which was the day that Annie was supposed to be married to her fiance, her body was found. Oh my God. The worst, worst thing ever to have. On her wedding day. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, and so it's, awful. I can't imagine how her fiance felt. I Getting just, that phone call that day, like, hey, we found her. It's not good. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. It's truly heartbreaking. And, you know, one of the reasons why they found her was because of the smell. 
So it had been five days since she was killed and this foul odor that is so distinctive. Like if you know the smell of death, it's something you will never forget. Yeah. They could smell it. It was coming from the lower levels of the building. So like the locker rooms that they had and um, the odor was coming from like a cable chase which was like basically like a cutout in the wall to like put a cable box and like for all the wires to go through. Um, and so she was squished in there essentially. Yeah, he put her in the wall. He stashed her body in the wall yeah. of the lab. And the way that she was found, she was stuffed inside the wall upside down. Mm. And she was described as having been crushed. Yeah. Which that says a lot because she's already such a little a little lady. Yeah. She's already so tiny. Four nine. Her body was crushed, like compacted yeah. to fit into this this little space. Right. And you know it had to be immediately after she died because rigor mortis would set in and yeah. she would be stiff as a board. So he really thought quick or maybe it was premeditated. You know, like he knew where to put her. Yeah. Um, the medical examiner had determined that the cause of her death was traumatic asphyxia due to neck compression, a.k.a. You know, strangulation. Yeah. Her jaw and her collarbone were both broken. Mm. And there was also evidence of sexual assault because there was semen found on her panty liner. So she was found, her bra was pushed up to expose her breasts. Her underwear was pulled down around her ankles, you know, and it sucks because we've heard this before. Yeah. It's such a vulnerable position to put someone in, even after they're dead. It's almost like the worst of it. Like, think something bad of this person even after they're dead. You know, like to embarrass them or whatever. Yeah, it's humiliating. Exactly. It's truly fucked. So the fact that he had her in there like that is messed up. Um, She was also wearing a... She was also wearing surgical gloves and her left thumb for some reason was exposed um, on the, the glove. And then there was blood smeared behind the wall and insulation, which was used to conceal her body. So she was still bleeding or she at least had gotten some on the insulation. Wow. Yeah. And then they also found some things with Annie. This was like, this just added to how disturbing this was. I mean, you find this little lady's body stuffed into the wall yeah and you know you remove it you're like okay let's let's notify the family let's and you're like wait a second there's other shit in the wall yeah so Raymond had actually signed into the lab that day because to get into the building you had to you know key card in Mm -hmm. and you also had to sign in with your name and like the time that you're going into right he had signed in with a green ink pen and they found this pen in the wall with Annie Mm. And, of course, he's the only person that used that color pen to sign in. Right, because who would ever use a green inked pen? Right, like what kind of weirdo are you? (laughs) So they found the pen with her, and they also found a box of cleaning wipes, and they also found a sock. Yeah. A single sock. Yeah. Weird. But then that brings us back to the... The ceiling tile that you mentioned, Katie. Yes. Um, When they found the ceiling tile and they decided for whatever reason to check it out, a white sock was in that pile of stuff that they had found. So there was the other one. And then there was also a rubber glove in the 
ceiling tiles and also uh, it was stained with blood. So I thought, you know, when I heard, read that, that they had found her, you know, the pen, okay, check. And then there was a white sock. Okay, that sounds familiar, right? Um, this is also kind of damning. Investigators also found like a blue hospital scrubs or whatever, like a, you know, probably like a throwaway lab coat or, you yeah. know, things like that. Um, similar to what Clark was wearing when he came in. Um, and it was covered in blood. And then they also found blood covered work boots that were labeled racy. Oh, who could that be? <laughs> I don't know, John. Down the road. Who could that be? It's so <laughs> peculiar. Like, what? And then the best part is that, you know, that Yale sergeant saw Clark. Ugh, he was scrubbing the floor. Police found a whole bunch of blood stains all over the lab. Like, he did not do a good job. He was clearly wow. in a rush. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. This guy. This guy. After Annie's body was found, there were memorials for her in California, New York, across Yale. And they did a bunch of stuff online across mm-hmm. the internet, too. Professor John Lewis Gaddis, he was a professor at Yale, obviously. <laughs> he called September 14th, which was the day after Annie was found. It was a Monday. Yeah. He said it was the saddest day to open class since 9-11. Oh, my God. That's so sad. Everybody on campus was just in shock, yeah. devastated. It was awful. It yeah. It was so awful that this happened on campus, too. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking and so unexpected. Like, this doesn't happen. Luckily, though, it kind of seemed like from the beginning they had a suspect. For sure. And they were like, what's up with this guy? The one that went down the hall 55 times? Was he wearing his Fitbit? Because he was (laughs) walking a ton, changing clothes, scrubbing the floor. My God, he must have spent a lot of calories that day. He got got a workout for sure. And, you know carrying a body and hiding it in a wall that's no joke even if she was so small yeah um and the best part too is that you know they the police did go and take dna from him so they swabbed his mouth and his fingerprints and they took body hair from him and which i can only assume means like pubic hair as well um, which is very common for them to do and then nail clippings (laughs) and then we know this now in like law that polygraph tests are bullshit um, but they, they did do one with him and he failed miserably. Wow. Yeah. So, hmm. Interesting. Wow. So four days after her body was found on September 17th, police arrested 24 year old Raymond Clark III. Um, when they had met with him to get DNA samples, they said he was covered in scratches, like on his face, mm-hmm. his left arm, clearly defensive wounds you know someone had done that to protect themselves right and authorities are like wow that's crazy like where where'd those (laughs) come from what what's what's your explanation for that yeah he's like oh it was my cat Mm. Mm -hmm. they're like wow that's crazy because that actually looks like uh human fingernails but uh open your mouth we're gonna swab you yeah yeah i mean we all know if you have cats at home guys you know it's a thin line it's a very distinct like choppy almost like you know this was not this is so different wider yeah it's it doesn't take a rocket scientist no 
It doesn't take a Yale doctorate student <laughs> to realize, like, hey. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. Wow. This dumbass. So obviously the DNA samples they collected from him were the perfect match to DNA evidence from the semen they collected from Annie right. and the DNA from the pen. All right. This, all this shit. Yep. Like, Betty didn't <clears throat> think that the pen was going to be traced back to him. Right. Of all the things, right? Like, you're not in CSI. Like, <laughs> you're an idiot, bro. Yes. Literally. Literally. So he was actually held on bail. That was set at $3 million. Wow. So I bet you they were like, yeah, we'll give you bail. Good luck. Like, no one's going to pay $3 million for you. Wow. So he was waiting for trial at the McDougal Walker Correctional Institution, which was in Suffield, Connecticut. And it seemed like it moved kind of quickly from this point as far as the trial goes. Um... He appeared in the Connecticut Supreme Court on October 6th in 2009, um, and this is where he did not enter a plea to the charges. Um, unfortunately, due to all of the materials in the case not being available for the lawyers, his hearing was delayed until January 26th of 2010, which in hindsight was only a few months, but still, her family wanted justice, obviously. Like, come on, let's make it quick. <laughs> And then at this hearing, Clark pled not guilty. This is when he entered a plea. He probably had time to think about it and was like, hmm, I want to get out of this thing. What a dick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's a selfish, awful human being. So during the trial, people are trying to figure out who this guy is, why he would do such a thing, you know, and they're, they're asking people who knew Raymond. Right. Would you ever have thought he could have done such a thing? Some people that knew him were like, yeah, no, he was fine. He was pleasant, friendly enough. But the people that really knew him, like old coworkers, yes. neighbors, they said that they thought he was very controlling and volatile. Hmm. He didn't have any kind of a personal disciplinary record at Yale. Hmm. But then again, why would you? Right, if, you... if you're at Yale. Exactly. Um, Good Morning America actually interviewed Raymond Clark's high school girlfriend. This gave everybody some more insight as to who this guy was. Mm -hmm. She said that when they broke up, she actually broke up with him and the situation got so out of hand she had to call the police. Oh my god. And this was in high school? Yeah. Wow. She stated, I wanted out. He would get very angry very often. He would frighten me. He would get physical. And then when they asked her, you know, after the breakup, you know, you called the police. Did anything happen from there? She stated, for about two weeks, I was escorted from the school to my car. Oh, my God. The New Haven Independent actually got a copy of a 2003 police report on this incident. Wow. And the girlfriend who wishes to remain anonymous, she told police then that Raymond had forced her to have sex with him. Oh, man. But she declined to press charges for whatever reasons. Right. Um, Maybe she thought that if she pressed charges, he would lose his shit, come after her. I bet. If she already has to be escorted from the school to her car because he would wait for her in the parking lot. Yeah. He'd get physical. He's, He's unhinged. Completely. He is unhinged. So this gave everybody some more insight as to who this guy was because he kept a very low profile at Yale. Right. Just a lowly, uh animal technician in the lab 
do-do-do, here to bring the mice their feed. Well, and just to give some more perspective, we talked about how Annie was teeny, teeny, tiny, four foot nine, 89 pounds. Yeah. Raymond Clark was five foot nine and 190 pounds. Jesus. So the medical examiner, you know, when he saw Raymond, he's like, oh, yeah, that would make sense as to why the extent of Annie's injuries were the way that they were. Right. How he could crush her into a small space, mm-hmm. break her bones. It's just awful. Yeah. It was not a fair fight at all. No, She clearly not. tried to fight back. He's covered in scratches. It yes. Just, it was not fair, and he definitely took advantage, and he's, he's an asshole. Yes, to put it lightly. Honestly, it's completely messed up. There was no, she, not that he was willing to give her a chance, but she never had one. Yeah. Because of just how brutal his attack was and how much bigger he was compared to her. It was, it's unfair for her. It's unfair for her family. It's just, it's messed up. And for him to go into trial and be like, I'm not guilty what boo fucking who (laughs) what where are you delusional like clearly (laughs) what a fucking idiot jesus and you know what else is kind of like stupid his sentence i agree like what the fuck was that yeah i don't know but i all i know is if i was the judge um it would be much longer than that much longer so on June 3rd, 2011, he was sentenced to, hold on, 44 years. What? 44. Why? 44. First of all, where did they come up with that number? Second of all, what the fuck? That's not even close to enough time. It should be forever. Yep. That means he gets out in September of 2053, which is honestly doesn't feel that far away. He'll be in his 60s. Yeah, he could, yeah. You could still hurt somebody at age 60. Absolutely, In you your can. late 60s, even. I'm sorry, but I worked in a nursing home. I got my mm-hmm. ass kicked by grown-ass men that were 80, 90. It, it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. He needs to rot in prison. Forever. Yep. And this piece of shit, you know, they always give, like, final statements. They're given that right, which is whatever. Um, his final statement was just me, 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 me. Yes. It was ridiculous, and I I wrote some of it down. This is what he said. I really never wanted to harm anyone or cause emotional pain to anyone. All I wanted was to be a good son, a good brother, and a good fiancé. But again, I failed. He was... What? He was engaged? To whomst? (laughs) That poor lady. Second of all, that was just completely about him. I... My life is sad. I messed up and now I have a sad... My parents are mad at me and my fiancé is mad. Nothing about right. her. I'm a failure. Yes. Which, what? Which is true. But you going to mention the woman you murdered? And her family is in the courtroom for all of this. Her heartbroken fiancé is there for all of this. Yeah. How about you, one, apologize... And two, give them an explanation for why you did what you did. We still don't know his motives because no. he didn't say anything. All he's saying was, boohoo, I'm a failure. My dad's going to think less of me. <laughs> I just wanted to be a good brother. Yeah, like, what? what? No. I, yeah, so we still don't know why he did this. And it's been almost 
12 years? Yeah. 13 years almost? Crazy. Yeah. I wish he would just tell. Like, what has he got to lose at this point? Right, he's getting out in 2053. Yeah. It's not like it's like they're not going to change anything if he gives the reason. In fact, they'd probably be like, yeah, good job. Right. We want to know. And give her family some closure. I don't understand. Seriously. At a memorial service, Yale President Richard C. Levin said that Annie was, quote, a model student for the Yale of the 21st century, a child of immigrants raised in America, bright and accomplished, ambitious and disciplined, yet caring, loving, and spontaneous. Mm. Her thesis advisor, Anton Bennett, whose lab she worked in and this, you know, happened in. Yeah. He stated that Annie was a bright light of enormous potential prematurely extinguished. It's so, it's beautiful. Really beautifully said, but it's just so awful. It's true. She had so much going for her in this dingbat of a man, if you can call him that. Took it, took it away from her and her family and the world. And that's what I don't understand is there's always some form of entitlement mm-hmm. with these men that do this. Yeah. Like he felt entitled to take her future away from her. He felt entitled to take her life away. Yeah. There's a theory and, you know, we don't know any of this for sure mm-hmm. because he's not going to open up his fucking mouth and no. say why he did this. But there's a theory that maybe he, you know, was had a crush on her or was lusting from afar. Right. And I'm sure that word got around that she was going to be married soon. Yeah. So maybe he wanted to kill her so she couldn't be married to somebody else. Could I don't be. know. And there's there's no proof of this. I right. mean, this guy had a fiance. Why was he? Yeah. It's just Whatever it's the crazy. reason. It, my guess would be it was probably a crime of opportunity. Yeah. But also, how did he know to put her where he put her? And, you know, it just seems like there's more to it. It's totally premeditated, for sure. It really feels like it. It really does. Which is terrible. And he should have gotten more time. He should be doing life. Absolutely. That's what I don't understand is I'm I'm very not for the death penalty. Like, I have my mm-hmm. own opinions on that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with the thing of an eye for an eye, a life for a life. You killed somebody. Yeah. You do not get to get out and walk free and yeah. live life. No. That's not how that should work. And it's not fair. Rot in prison where you belong. Goodbye. <laughs> you should die behind bars. Absolutely. And I hope he does. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's heavy shit. That case is very intense for sure. But it's so interesting. And just, ugh. This kid was a nut. He was a crumb. He was unhinged. Like, yeah. And the fact that he has a pattern of abusing women abusing mm-hmm. girlfriends yeah wow it doesn't come as a shock once you learn those facts right. unfortunately right still doesn't excuse it ever 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 so you guys should definitely let us know what you think if you think of any theories on why this piece of garbage would do something this horrible It's unfathomable, so we want to hear what you guys think. For sure. So you guys can find us on Instagram and Twitter at truecrimeny. All lowercase. Or you can send us an email at truecrimeny at gmail.com. You could also head over to our website, truecrimeny.com. You can use our handy-dandy submission tool. Like we talked about in the intro, you could tell us who you are. You could be anonymous if you so choose. Mm -hmm. 
and let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Give us cases you'd like to hear us cover. Please. And also, if you want to scroll down a little past that and buy us a coffee. Just a little little scroll, a little that's, flick of the wrist. now an option. So, yeah. That would be so nice of you guys. But we appreciate you guys always either way. You always are there for us. And with our one-year anniversary coming up. Yeah, that's right. The statistics and the numbers that have grown and changed. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, we appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.